Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 2 Corinthians. Today is episode 494. Looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Let's read our passage. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, He distributed freely, He gave to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, They will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is 2 Corinthians, and this wraps up chapter 9. Paul has been discussing the collection. This is a a big thing to Paul, obviously, because it's been two entire chapters in this letter. The collection for the saints in Jerusalem. Church in Jerusalem has a lot of poor people, and the church cares for them. And there's a lot of persecution of Christians in Jerusalem. So Paul's desire is to send a collection from all the churches throughout Asia and Greece and send this to Jerusalem to provide for the poor there. So Paul discusses it in several places. He first laid it out to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians. And Titus had been there when the collection was begun. And it seemed to have drifted to the back burner because of the conflict in the church. But now that things are straightening out in the church, and since Paul's intending to go there before too awful long, he wants to get things back on track and get it ready for the final collection to be taken to Jerusalem. We talked about the the whole point of how it would look if they didn't participate in this collection. He's been bragging about them to the Macedonians, to the degree that the Macedonians were inspired to give beyond their ability to give, out of their poverty. And Paul's telling them, man, you know, some Macedonians will show up down there, and if you guys haven't done what I've been bragging about you, that's going to be embarrassing to you and to me. Now I shifted to more of a a theological stance with this collection. Verse 6, he says, The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. This is an agricultural metaphor here. Plant a few seeds, you get a few crops. You plant a lot of seeds, you get a lot of crops. And He's tying this into the idea of generosity and God being in charge. God's the one who's in charge of what grows, but he grows things according to what you plant. 
Now verse 7, he says, Each person should do as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. He's bringing it back here to it's an individual thing. While he's calling on the church to participate in this collection, the church is comprised of people, and people are the ones who have the funds. And so it's up to the individual people to provide for this collection. And it's each person. And each person should give based on what that particular person has decided in his heart. And he should be doing it because he has to do it. And nobody should be forcing him to do it. It should be something he wants to do and something he desires to do. What if I don't really want to give? Well, then the challenge there is, can you give? If it's I am able to give, but I don't want to give, that is an issue of the heart. And it's a, a challenge to examine the heart. And he adds here, God loves a cheerful giver. This is Proverbs 22, verse 8. It's a proverbial saying that this is a characteristic that God desires, that we be generous. And so if I have a problem with generosity, that it's a problem with my heart. That's probably something I'll be talking to God about. Then verse 8, And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. This begins with God is able. Now through this all, we see the sovereignty of God. God's in charge of crops that grow, and God's in charge of finances. God is the one who controls everything. God's in charge, and he is able. And he's able to make every grace overflow to you. Here we see the word grace again. We've seen it a lot in chapters 8 and 9. This whole idea of this ministry to the saints, this collection, has this foundational idea of grace. And grace gets used in a variety of ways. The grace of God, the grace of our one another, grace being the gifts, grace being our good works. So to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always have everything you need, you may excel in every good work. All this is from God. You know, God's grace in us enables us to be generous. So if we have a trouble with generosity, well, maybe we should be talking with God and asking for God for some of his grace. They quotes the Old Testament again, verse 9, As it is written, he distributed freely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. This is speaking of the character of God, that God takes care of people and is linked to his righteousness. So this is about God. Then verse 10, Now the one who provides seed for the sower, and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So the one who provides, he's speaking of God here, he's the one who provides the seed for the sower. He's the one who makes the seed grow into crops. And he's the one that provides bread for food. So God is the one who provides. And often our lack of generosity is because we really don't believe God does provide. So it says he, he will provide. He'll multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. What does that mean? I think he's getting at the idea of generosity, that the harvest of your righteousness in this context is the generous giving to this collection that's going to Jerusalem. 
So that's the harvest of, of our righteousness in this context. It's whatever we're called to do by God. Whatever God calls us to do, that would be the harvest of our righteousness. And verse 11, you will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. Well, there's a shift in the text here. Up to this point, he's been talking to the Corinthians. This is what God's going to do with you. Now here in verse 11, he makes this transition. And so it's what you are doing is going to result in something with the church in Jerusalem. But now he's included himself and his co-workers in this, he says, through us. So you're going to get something out of this. There's going to be thanksgiving to God, and it's going to occur via us. In verse 12, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many expression of thanks for God to God. All right, the ministry of this service. There's that title again for what he calls this collection, the ministry to the saints, the ministry of this service. So it doesn't just supply the physical needs of the poor people in Jerusalem, but he also brings a spiritual component to this, because it's also going to bring many expressions of thanksgiving to God. It's going to turn people to God. It's going to bring an increase in faith to people because they've seen God at work. Well, we mean God at work. This is a collection that the people brought together. Well, we've talked about this before, that when God inspires people to do things for the sake of others. Is that from God? God acting, but using people as his agents. Just as if you are hurting and I reach out to you with comfort, is that not comfort from God? If I was serving God when I provided that comfort? Absolutely. Similarly, when the people in Jerusalem receive this physical gift, material gift, monetary gift, is that not really provided by God, since it's God's people who have provided this? This is an act of God. Absolutely. We have trouble seeing that. We have trouble seeing God at work when somebody did something. Even though they may blatantly say, I did this because I felt God leading me to do it. And we say, well, that was just you. God didn't really have a hand in it. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And, and that's where it's, it's, it's hard for us to do that, to see that when, when somebody does something kind, somebody does something generous, somebody does something comforting, and they've been doing it because God is guiding them to do that. That is the hand of God in our lives. And, and we have to train ourselves to see that. It was hard to do. And so here in verse 12, it's, there's a spiritual component of this. You're not just providing physical need here. This is a spiritual aspect. Verse 13, because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. In verse 14, and as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Too often we read this and we say, don't be afraid to give because God's going to give back to you. And that's such a materialistic view of this. 
And if we just get down into this, the, the point here is you give because you trust God, that God is able to provide, and he will provide for your needs. It's not an investment scheme of if you give, then God's going to really bless you. You'll get more than you gave. That's, uh, that's, that's the wrong way to think about this. It's don't be afraid to give because God will provide and God will take care of your needs. And if you have trouble giving, then that's a heart problem and you got an issue that you need to be talking with God about. So give because God's guiding you to give. Give freely and cheerfully, but give. And then those who are the recipients of this gift hopefully will see God at work in this gift and will actually turn them to God. Yeah, they'll be thankful that you provided the gift, but if they're really in tune with God, then they see that it was God who provided this gift, and they will overflow with thanksgiving to God and affection for you because of the suppressing grace of God in you. We see grace again. He sums it up, verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, the word gets translated thanks here is that Greek word charis, which gets translated as grace. We saw it translated in a few different words because grace is used in so many different ways. So here he's saying grace to God, thanks to God for his indescribable gift. What is the indescribable gift he's talking about here? Well, this the whole thing here. The grace of God in our lives allowing us to give and the blessing to others as recipients of the gift, the praising of God, as a result of giving and receiving, and all of this together. That's the indescribable gift of God, this ability to give, ability to receive, to see God at work in our lives. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 2 Corinthians 